Section 34 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain Letter 57 London, November 29th, Old Style, 1748 Dear Boy, I delayed writing to you till I could give you some account of the motions of your friend Mr. Elliot, for whom I know you have, and very justly, the most friendly concern. His father and he came to town together, in a post-chase a fortnight ago, the rest of the family remaining in Cornwall. His father with difficulty survived the journey, and died last Saturday seven-night. Both concern and decency confined your friend till two days ago, when I saw him. He has determined, and I think very prudently, to go abroad again. But how soon, it is yet impossible for him to know, as he must necessarily put his own private affairs in some order first. But I conjecture that he may possibly join you at Turin. Sooner, to be sure, not." I am very sorry that you are likely to be so long without the company and the example of so valuable a friend, and therefore I hope that you will make it up to yourself, as well as you can at this distance, by remembering and following his example. Imitate that application of his, which has made him know all thoroughly, and to the bottom. He does not content himself with the surface of knowledge, but works in the mind for it, knowing that it lies deep. Pope says, very truly, in his essay on criticism, a little learning is a dangerous thing. Drink deep, or taste not the Pyrian spring. I shall send you by a ship that goes to Hamburg next week, and by which Hawkins sends Mr. Hart some things that he wrote for, all those which I propose sending you by Mr. Elliot, together with a very little box that I am desired to forward to Mr. Hart. There will be likewise two letters of recommendation for you to Monsieur André and Comte Allegrati, at Berlin, which you will take care to deliver to them, as soon as you shall be rigged and fitted out to appear there. They will introduce you into the best company, and I depend upon your own good sense for your avoiding of bad. If you fall into bad and low company there, or anywhere else, you will be irrecoverably lost, whereas if you keep good company, and company above yourself, your character and your fortune will be immovably fixed. I have not time to-day, upon account of the meeting of the Parliament, to make this letter of the usual length and indeed, after the volumes that I have written to you, all I can add must be unnecessary. However, I shall probably, ex abotati, return soon to my former prolixity, and you will receive more and more last words from yours. Letter 58. London, December 6th, Old Style, 1748. Dear boy, I am at present under very great concern for the loss of a most affectionate brother, with whom I had always lived in the closest friendship. My brother John died last Friday night, of a fit of the gout, which he had had for about a month in his hands and feet, and which fell at last upon his stomach and head. As he grew toward the last lethargic, his end was not painful to himself. At the distance which you are at from hence, you need not go into mourning upon this occasion, as the time of your mourning would be near over before you could put it on. By a ship which sails this week for Hamburg, I shall send you those things which I propose to have sent to you by Mr. Elliot, viz., a little box from your mamma, a less box for Mr. Hart, Mr. Locke's book upon education, the print of Carlo Moratti, which I mentioned to you some time ago, and two letters of recommendation, one to Monsieur André and the other to Comte Allegorati at Berlin. Both those gentlemen will, I am sure, be as willing as they are able to introduce you into the best company, and I hope you will not, as many of your countrymen are apt to do, decline it. 
It is in the best companies only that you can learn the best manners, and that tournure, and those graces, which I have so often recommended to you, as the necessary means of making a figure in the world. I am most extremely pleased with the account which Mr. Hart gives me of your progress in Greek, and of your having read Hesiod almost critically. Upon this subject I suggest but one thing to you, of many that I might suggest, which is, that you have now got over the difficulties of that language, and therefore it would be unpardonable not to persevere to your journey's end, now that all the rest of your way is downhill. I am also very well pleased to hear that you have such a knowledge of, and taste for curious books, and scarce and valuable tracts. This is a kind of knowledge which very well becomes a man of sound and solid learning, but which only exposes a man of slight and superficial reading. Therefore, pray make the substance and manner of such books your first object, and their title-pages, indexes, letters, and binding but your second. It is the characteristic of a man of parts and good judgment to know, and give that degree of attention that each object deserves. Whereas little minds mistake little objects for great ones, and lavish away upon the former that time and attention which only the latter deserve. To such mistakes we owe the numerous and frivolous tribes of insect-mongers, shell-mongers, and pursuers and dryers of butterflies, etc. The strong mind distinguishes, not only between the useful and the useless, but likewise between the useful and the curious. He applies himself intensely to the former, he only amuses himself with the latter. Of this little sort of knowledge, which I have just hinted at, you will find at least as much as you need wish to know, in a superficial but pretty French book, entitled Spectacle de la Nature, which will amuse you while you read it, and give you a sufficient notion of the various parts of nature. I would advise you to read it at leisure hours. But that part of nature, which Mr. Hart tells me you have begun to study with the rector magnificus, is of much greater importance, and deserves much more attention. I mean astronomy. The vast and immense planetary system, the astonishing order and regularity of those innumerable worlds, will open a scene to you, which not only deserves your attention as a matter of curiosity, or rather astonishment, but still more, as it will give you greater, and consequently juster, ideas of that eternal and omnipotent being, who contrived, made, and still preserves that universe, than all the contemplation of this, comparatively very little orb, which we at present inhabit, could possibly give you. Upon this subject, Monsieur Fontenelle's Pluralité des Monts, which you may read in two hours' time, will both inform and please you. God bless you. Yours. Letter 59. London, December 13th, Old Style, 1748. Dear boy, the last four posts have brought me no letters, either from you or from Mr. Hart, at which I am uneasy, not as a mamma would be, but as a father should be, for I do not want your letters as bills of health. You are young, strong, and healthy, and I am, consequently, in no pain about that. Moreover, were either you or Mr. Hart ill, the other would doubtless write me word of it. My impatience for yours or Mr. Hart's letters arises from a very different cause, which is my desire to hear frequently of the state and progress of your mind. You are now at that critical period of life when every week ought to produce fruit or flowers answerable to your culture, which I am sure has not been neglected, and it is by your letters and Mr. Hart's accounts of you that at this distance I can only judge at your gradations to maturity. I desire, therefore, that one of you two will not fail to write me once a week. The sameness of your present way of life, I easily conceive, would not make out a very interesting letter to an indifferent bystander. But so deeply concerned as I am in the game you are playing, 
even the least move is to me of importance, and helps me to judge of the final event. As you will be leaving Leipzig pretty soon after you shall have received this letter, I here send to you one enclosed to deliver to Mr. Moscow. It is to thank him for his attention and civility to you, during your stay with him, and I take it for granted that you will not fail making him the proper compliments at parting, for the good name that we leave behind us at one place often gets before us to another, and is of great use. As Mr. Moscow is much known and esteemed in the Republic of Letters, I think it would be of advantage to you, if you got letters of recommendation from him to some of the learned men at Berlin. These testimonials give a luster which is not to be despised, for the most ignorant are forced to seem, at least, to pay a regard to learning, as the most wicked are to virtue. Such is their intrinsic worth. Your friend Duval dined with me the other day, and complained most grievously that he had not heard from you above a year. I bid him abuse you for it himself, and advised him to do it in verse, which, if he was really angry, his indignation would enable him to do. He accordingly brought me, yesterday, the enclosed reproaches and challenge, which he desired me to transmit to you. As this is his first essay in English poetry, the inaccuracies in the rhymes and the numbers are very excusable. He insists, as you will find, upon being answered in verse, which I should imagine that you and Mr. Hart, together, could bring about. As the late Lady Dorchester used to say, that she and Dr. Radcliffe together could cure a fever. This is, however, sure, that it now rests upon you, and no man can say what methods Duval may take, if you decline his challenge. I am sensible that you are under some disadvantages in this proffered combat. Your climate, at this time of the year especially, delights more in the wood-fire than in the poetic fire, and I conceive the muses, if there are any at Leipzig, to be rather shivering than singing. Nay, I question whether Apollo is even known there as god of verse, or as god of light, perhaps a little as god of physic. These will be fair excuses, if your performance should fall something short, though I do not apprehend that it will. While you have been at Leipzig, which is a place of study more than of pleasure or company, you have had all opportunities of pursuing your studies uninterruptedly, and have had, I believe, very few temptations to the contrary. But the case will be quite different at Berlin, where the splendor and dissipation of a court and the beau monde will present themselves to you in gaudy shapes, attractive enough to all young people. Do not think now that, like an old fellow, I am going to advise you to reject them, and shut yourself up in your closet. Quite the contrary, I advise you to take your share, and enter into them with spirit and pleasure. But then I advise you, too, to allot your time prudently, as that learning may keep pace with pleasure. There is full time in the course of the day for both, if you do but manage that time right and like a good economist. The whole morning, if diligently and attentively devoted to solid studies, will do a great way at the year's end, and the evenings spent in the pleasures of good company will go as far in teaching you a knowledge not much less necessary than the other, I mean the knowledge of the world. Between these two necessary studies, that of books in the morning and that of the world in the evening, you see that you will not have one minute to squander or slattern away. Nobody ever lent themselves more than I did, when I was young, to the pleasures and dissipation of good company. I even did it too much." But then I can assure you that I always found time for serious studies, and when I could find it no other way, I took it out of my sleep, for I resolved to always rise early in the morning, however late I went to bed at night, and this resolution I have kept so sacred, that unless when I have been confined to my bed by illness, I have not, for more than forty years, ever been in bed at nine o'clock in the morning, 
but commonly up before eight. When you are at Berlin, remember to speak German as often as you can, in company, for everybody there will speak French to you, unless you let them know that you can speak German, which they will then choose to speak. Adieu. End of section 34. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.